Doesn't it feel good? Proverbs chapter number 27 will not take me long tonight. I asked my wife how long I preached this morning. I think she said something along the lines of too long or something like that. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make for sure that I keep it a little shorter tonight. Hallelujah. Proverbs 27, verse number six, when you have it, say amen. Proverbs 27 and verse number six. Hallelujah. Since the sound's got it, I'm going to read it. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I'm going to preach to you just for a few moments tonight. When you kiss the king, when you kiss the king, Jesus, we need you tonight. We love you tonight. I'm thankful for what we felt thus far, but I pray in this place, Lord, that you would challenge somebody, you would change somebody, you would move somebody, you would motivate somebody. I pray tonight in this place that some heart would be drawn closer to you. I pray, Lord, that you would break down every wall and every barrier. I pray that you would soften every hard heart and you would straighten out every stiff neck in this place. I pray, God, that you would make us permeable in your hand, for thou art the potter and we are the clay. And our prayer tonight is, God, that you would mold us, you would make us, however you want to make us, into whatever you want us to be. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And you can be seated in the house of the Lord. The Bible in Proverbs has many sayings about friends. We can read on several different occasions that this man by the name of Solomon had a profound wisdom when it come to friendship. He probably would look back on the life of David, his father, and talk to that man that knew something about friendship Because one of his fastest friends was a man by the name of Jonathan. Probably that Solomon would draw upon that very relationship when he began to pen the words, A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. It was probably this very uh, relationship that told us faithful are the wounds of a Friend, In other words, when that friend comes to you and he begins to talk to you about something in your life, something that he sees that he does not like, do not reject him, do not reject her because she is your friend. He is your friend. I have friends in my life that have come to me at one occasion or another and said, hey, this is what I see about you. I didn't like it. It it hurt me. It offended me. But 
when I stopped and I began to think about it, the, the fact that they would have the strength to come to me and talk to me about something they saw in my life that wasn't right. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for friends like that. It's those same friends that come in the, in the hours of the morning that you're weeping over something lost and they, they, they comfort you with a pat on the back or a word in the right direction. It's those same friends in our life that at times of, of jubilation that they're there with you. Can I tell you, a friend will weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. Friends, friends. Uh, one particular friendship that we could draw from is the friendship between Abraham and the mighty God in Christ. We could draw upon this relationship that Abraham was a friend of God. Abraham was looked at from heaven as a friend. He was a friend of the kingdom. I, I would want nobody better to be my friend than to know that Jesus would call me a friend of his. It was upon one of these very friendships that I want to pull from these verses tonight and to tell you the story of a friend that was very close to the heart of Jesus. It was not Matthew, the tax collector. It was not Peter, James, and John. But it was a friend that was very close to the heart of Jesus. He drew him in the same follow me that he issued forth to Peter and to James and to John, to Nathaniel, to Bartholomew, to Philip, to all of his disciples was the same Follow me that he issued forth to Judas. Judas was not only uh, a disciple, but he was trusted with the, the money. He was trusted as the, the, the close individual to the heart of Jesus Christ. He, he was so trusted that Jesus would take all of the finances of his kingdom and what he was doing, and he would place it in the hand of Judas. Don't be mistaken today, in the house of God, it was not hidden from Jesus what would come to pass. He, he knew all along, but somewhere along the way, he trusted enough that he could change the very direction of Judas. He, he trusted that Judas, when that time come, would make the right choice. He, he trusted that when it came along that, that Judas was going to line up and he was going to see things from his point and from his direction. So here was Judas walking with him. We see glimpses of the heart of Judas when that, that woman would there at the feet of Jesus break that alabaster box and began to anoint the feet of Jesus. And here Judas would hold up his hand and say, hey, maybe, maybe we shouldn't have done that. Maybe that could have been sold and we could have used that for something different. We see just a little bit of, of a crack there in the heart of Judas. We see just a crack in that relationship, but none, none any worse and that of, of Peter and what Peter done and what Peter said. Peter was that one that was a zealot. He, he was one that knew really no bounds. He couldn't mark his own tongue. But here was Judas just observing, just watching. He was the secretary. He was the treasurer of the group. Jesus picked him. And Judas 
would walk with him. The very miracles that Peter saw were the same miracles that Judas saw. The very, the very things that Nathaniel and Philip laid their eyes upon were the very things that Judas laid his eyes upon. What James and John saw, Judas saw. He was there. He experienced it. He saw it all. And in the midst of all that he saw and all that he done and all that he put his hands on, he was there when they fed the 5,000. He was there when they fed the 4,000. He was there when people were raised from the dead. He was there when blinded eyes were opened. He was there when crooked limbs were straightened. He was there when that man was lowered down through the roof. He saw it all. He observed it all. But through it all, Something never truly clicked in the life of Judas. Three and a half years, the same exposure that Peter had to the heart of Jesus. Three and a half years, just as long as John was there with his head upon the very heartbeat of the mighty God in Christ. Judas was there. He was there when they gathered into that, uh, into that upper room that day to partake of that last supper. He was there. He broke bread with Jesus. He, he partook of the body. He partook of the blood. He was there as Jesus began to break it and he blessed it and he handed it out. He was there. He heard the words as everyone else was wondering what was going on when Jesus said, whatsoever thou doest, do quickly. He was there the whole time. He never missed a part of the show. He, he never took time off to go tend to something else. Just like the other 11, he was there. He was always there. So here it was that we find Judas. I, I struggle with, struggle with the opinion that everyone has of Judas. I struggle with such condemning words that people have for Judas. I, I, I struggle with the judgments that they pass upon Judas because I see myself in the life of Judas. I, I have to tell you as I stand here before you today, I see a lot of similarities between my life and the life of Judas. It seems as though just as Judas would second guess Jesus from time to time, it seems as though in my life that I find myself second guessing him. I, I don't know why it is. I, I don't know why that through all that he's brought me through, I find myself from time to time wondering, Jesus, how are you going to do it this time? I, I don't think that you're going to be able to pull me through this one but time and time again he blesses and time and time again he makes a way but I have to tell you I can identify probably with Judas more than the rest of them to leave you down I've just come to tell you that I've been where Judas is at I've come to tell you in the house of the Lord tonight that I've reached that place in in ministry. I've reached that place in my Christian walk where I I wanted more and I I desired more and I have to believe within my heart of heart there was something different in the life of Judas. There was a pressing in the life of Judas. He's promised us a kingdom. He's promised us that he was the Messiah. He's promised us that he was the Christ. He he promised us that he was sent here on purpose from heaven. He's promised us all 
all of these things. I've seen what he's done. He's got the hearts of Israel in his hand. Maybe, just maybe, I could push him over the edge. Maybe, just maybe, I could call him before all of Rome and therefore he will begin to set up his mighty kingdom. Maybe when they come with spears and with swords and with shields, then he will assemble his mighty army. Maybe Judas had it in his mind, not truly that he, Jesus should die, but they would, that he would sacrifice himself just simply to betray Jesus. So Jesus would be moved into action. I've tried to pray prayers before that would move God in a different direction. I've tried desperately to cry, oh, don't look at me tonight in the house of the Lord. Some of you prayed some of those same prayers. And we've tried to move God to our comfort zone instead of His. And in the midst of it, we find that Jesus is unmovable. I'm thankful that He is unmovable. I'm thankful that I serve a God that does not change. I'm thankful that I know a God that knows the ending from the beginning. I'm thankful that I serve a God that has a plan for my life. He knows where I'm headed. He knows where he wants to take me. I cannot rush him. He's not a God that's late. He's not a God that's early. But he's always on time. Uh, here was Judas he's getting up from the table and as he's getting up from the table John raised his head off the chest of Jesus just for a moment you heard others begin to cry out "Who, who is this that you're talking about while others were sensing that there was something different about the air that night something was happening. There was an urgency in the heart of Jesus. There was a desperation. There was an ending that was coming. There was a culmination of this three and a half years of discipleship and ministry. They could sense it. They were not just men that were dumb anymore. They, they were aware of what was happening around them. Their senses had been heightened. They, they were jockeying for positions even in his kingdom. They knew something was coming. I've come to tell somebody tonight if truly you are a Christian in this last day and age you know something is about to happen you know this thing is wrapping up we must be keenly aware of the fact that heaven is quickly coming and what we will have left upon this earth is nothing more than twisted steel and molten rock I want you to know tonight in the house of the Lord I'm making my election sure I'm making my choices in the house of the Lord tonight and here was Judas Stumbling out of that room and down the stairs. He made his way quickly there before the Sanhedrin. With his clutches around those 30 pieces of silver. Just simply the price of a slave. He assembled what amounted to be a small army to come out against Jesus. He didn't bring enough, but Judas didn't know it. 
He could have called all the angels of heaven to come and to defend him with just a whip of his finger. He could have put them all to sleep. With just a a word from his mouth, he could have drawn the breath from their very life. With just a, a wave of his hand, hallelujah, their existence could have been no more. But I want you to know, Jesus had a plan. And in the midst of this plan, Judas come with the many. He told them, now you just wait right here because I'm going to signify who Jesus is. I'm going to point out the Messiah. I'm going to point out the King. I'm going to point him out because I'm going to kiss him. And when I kiss him and when I embrace him, you know that's the guy. You know that's the one that we're looking for. You know the one that's the traitor. When I kiss him, you'll know that he is the one that's been saying all the stuff about the kingdom of Rome. You'll know that that's the one that's been sowing seeds of discord. You know that that's the one that is the traitor. As they set off just a few paces away, possibly hidden in the woods, Judas come out. There into the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus had just broken up his prayer meeting that he was trying to assemble with a bunch of disciples that didn't know how to pray. I'm thankful I'm in a place that knows how to pray. As they were still wiping the sleep from their eyes, the last little bit of sleep that they would get for the next few hours, Judas walked up to Jesus just like everything was all right and everything was okay. And he embraced Jesus and he kissed him. The words of the king echo in my mind because he looked at him and the very first thing that he said to Judas was simply, friend. He knew what was in his heart. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was up to. Acts tells us that he knows the hearts of all men. Don't don't try to hide from him tonight. He already knows your heart. He already knows the desires of your heart, whether they be good or whether they be bad. But I, I want you to know he knew what was happening in the heart of Judas. When I failed him, he already knew what was in my heart. When I've given in to temptation, he already knew what was in my heart. When I yielded to that thing that I shouldn't have, he already knew what was in my heart. But yet, he's still in the midst of all of my life. He calls me friend. He calls you friend. I don't know where you've come from. I don't know how bad it's been for you. I don't know how many transgressions you've laid upon him. I, I don't know how many sins you come carrying into the house of the Lord. But I can tell you that if he can look at Judas that was about to turn him over to Rome, I can tell you this, he can look at you and call you friend. Can tell you in the house of the Lord tonight that He will embrace you. I can tell you in the house of the Lord tonight, not only will He call you friend, but He'll remind you of where you've been. Because when He reminds you of where you've been, He will also show you where He can take you. I know it's heavy tonight in the house of the Lord. But I can tell you this, 
He looked at Judas and he called him friend. Then he asked one particular question. From whence comest thou? Where did you come from, Judas? Where have you been? What's happened to you? What's transpired? You're no longer a disciple. You come back to me different than you left. You left that table a disciple, but you've come back a traitor. Oh, I don't know about you tonight, but I can say about me. I've had those kind of conversations with Jesus. I've had those kind of conversations with the king, and they're never good. They break my heart when he begins to point out in my life the things that I have that are hidden deep in the recesses of my heart that I've got to deal with, I've got to get rid of, and I've got to get out. But I'm thankful for those moments also. I'm thankful for those times of judgment. I'm thankful for those times of conviction upon my life because as I stand before him, it reassures me when I feel the convicting power of God that I truly am his friend. Because the wounds of a friend, they multiply my life. They help me be better. They help me realign to the purpose of heaven. They help me realign with the will and the plan that God has for my life. I've come to tell you in the house of the Lord tonight that so often I could identify, like I've said before, with the life of Judas. So many times I've stood there ready to embrace him, answering the question, from whence comest thou? So many times I've been at an altar of change in my life where God has called me to. I didn't just wander in haplessly. It wasn't just carelessly that I wandered into the house of God. He had been calling after me. Judas, 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 Judas. We constantly look at Judas simply as a traitor. But I challenge you tonight in the house of the Lord to look at Judas as a friend of the king. He never ceased to be a friend of the king. Even when he tied that short rope Around his neck, he didn't cease to be a friend of the king. Even when he walked before the Sanhedrin and took those 30 pieces of silver and threw them at the feet of the priest, did he cease to be a friend of the king? He was always a friend of the king. He died a friend of of the king. I want you to know in the house of God tonight that just like Judas, you and I have done things that would break the very heart of Jesus. We have entered into things that humanity would probably shake their heads at. We've done things that would even more than break his heart would cause the anger to be kindled within him, but yet he calls us by name. He calls us his friend and he asks us, where have you been? What have you been doing? Because truly the call of repentance was given there 
Hallelujah. As Judas would assemble at the feet of Jesus, the King. When he asked him, where is it that you come from? What he was asking Judas to do, he was asking him to look at his heart and what he's been doing. He was asking him to survey what he had been taught in regards to what he, is, what he had been doing. And it was all said and done. Judas stood there and he clung on to, he held on to tightly what he had been doing. He quickly could have turned to Jesus and said, I understand what I've done. Let me tell you what I've done. I've done something that was wrong. I've done something that would break your heart. I've done something that was sideways with you. I've committed a transgression. There's iniquity within me, Jesus. You've called me a friend, and now I understand the men that have assembled with me are not my friends. When he asked him, from whence comest thou, he very easily could have repented there before Jesus, and I believe that Jesus would have forgiven him. But he went on with the kiss, and he kissed the king. Now, it was a different day, it was a different culture, it was a different era. Sir, I'll shake your hand, but please don't try to kiss me. I'll hug your neck, but just please don't try to kiss me. Judas would grab him, would embrace Jesus, and he would kiss the kiss of a traitor. He would kiss him on the side of the cheek, and it would make assembling of all of these men that would rush upon him. Here was Peter. He would draw out his sword. He would chop off the ear of Malchus. Jesus would look. He would look at this man and he would tell him, take that sword, put it back in your sheath. He would pick up that ear. He'd put it on the side of the head of that young man. Surely the armies of Rome would have looked and said, there's something different about him. Surely Judas would have had a place to turn around there. Surely Peter would have looked and said, oh, there's something going on here. There's something outside of our realm. There's something happening there that I can't put my finger on but it's ordained of heaven. I want you to know that it was the purpose and the will of Jesus Christ after he walked out of Gethsemane to make it up Golfus crooked hill. It was his purpose to lay himself down upon that cross and to die a brutal death for you and me and to shed his own life's blood for our redemption. But in the midst of it all. It all centered around the kiss upon a king. A kiss of a traitor. A kiss of a traitor. I want you to know just because you have transgressions against him does not make you a traitor. I want you to know in the house of God tonight, just because you have sinned does not make you a traitor. I want you to know that just simply because of the iniquity that's in your heart that you have not dealt with does not make you a traitor. I beckon to you tonight in the house of the Lord that this is a place for you to embrace the King of Kings and he will embrace you and you plant a kiss upon him to let the world know I love him I identify with him and I'll turn my life around 
I know today in the house of God, between this morning and the night, that it's been heavy. But I can tell you this. The God of all creation is here to pull somebody out of the fire. There is a God that loves you enough to condescend from the throne and to put a word in the heart of a young country preacher to deliver it to you tonight. Make that kiss a place where you turn around. Embrace him tonight, but not to signify to the world that you're turning your back on him. Embrace him tonight to let him know beyond the shadow of a doubt, I'm clinging on to you. I'm holding on to you. You are my hope. You are my help. You are my salvation. Would you stand with me in the house of the Lord? I know it's not been riotous tonight. I know it's been, not been raucous. I know, I know that people haven't been shouting and dancing in the middle of my preaching, but that's not what I've come to do tonight. I've come to grab somebody from the very flames of hell, from the very gates of hell, to stand in between you high in eternity and tell you, oh, please let that kiss that you place upon the cheek of the king be a kiss of embrace. Let that kiss that you place upon his his cheek be a semblance to the world that your life will never will forever be changed and never be the same again for when you kiss the king let it be known of the world let it be known of the church where your allegiance is I want the music to come if they would Man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Friend loveth at all times. And there is a friend. That sticketh closer than a brother. I've never had a brother. I always wish I had a brother. I love my little sister. We're pretty close. Matter of fact, one of the toughest things about moving away from home was leaving my little sister. I always wondered what it was like to have a brother. I got older in life and I have a friend that I'm as close to as probably anybody. I'm not a real emotional guy. I don't tell many people, hey, I love you. But this gentleman is like my brother. I remember when I was leaving Indiana, I was preaching for him. I told him I love you. I remember the feeling that this is, this is my brother. You probably don't have blood, but even closer probably felt what it was like with Jonathan and David when their hearts were so knit together they could could finish each other's sentences they were around each other so much they just knew like the right hand and the left hand what the other was going to do friend loveth at all times 
brother is born for adversity. My friend, just a few short months ago, suffered a heart attack. He is one month older, younger than me. I'm sorry, one young, one month younger than me. Both just turned 40. <clears throat> just went home for a few weeks to take care of his church. He's my friend. That's what friends do. Flew home to see him to make sure he was all right, see if he needed anything. That's what friends do. He knew of things that's happened in my life and great moments in our life. We celebrate together. That's what friends do. He's a friend. Let's take it closer than even a brother. I thought that this friend of mine that I had almost identified with as a brother was closer than any friend I ever had. I, I would just assume call him my brother as I would call him friend, but, but Jesus, so many years before, had laid it upon the heart of Solomon when he would take up that pen. A brother is inseparable. A brother, no matter how angry you get at, at him, when it's all said and done, there's that remedy for the soul. That, that brother may be in a fight with you, but let somebody else try to fight. The brother will jump in. But Jesus says, I'm going to take it a step farther. I'm a friend that sticketh closer than even a brother. I don't know your name tonight, but he does. He chooses not to call you by your name. He chooses to call you friend. Friend. I would that you would close your eyes for just a moment if you would and just imagine the God of all creation standing before you with His hand outstretched towards you. Would you just take a, a moment and begin to think in the Spirit with His hand stretched out towards you calling you friend beckoning to you friend from whence comest thou what's your intentions what are you up to tonight in the house of the Lord are you are you here to embrace me are you here to reject me are you here to turn from me are you here to run to me from whence comest thou this preacher's come in this place tonight the word from heaven to ask you Where did you come from? What are you up to tonight? Saint, what are you up to tonight? Sinner, what are you up to tonight? Oh, doesn't matter so much where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done, what you've delved into, how low you've sunk. What matters is you're standing tonight in the house of the Lord before the King. What matters tonight is not the sins and the trappings and the baggage that you bring. It's not all those suitcases that you bring. What matters tonight in the house of the Lord is here you are again with another opportunity, another chance presented to you in the house of the Lord. He's calling out, friend, where are you coming from? Friend, what are you up to? Friend, what's your decision? What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? 
He's calling out to every heart from which comest thou. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The saint is filling the tug of the Holy Ghost. Where are you coming from? What are you up to? What are your desires? What are your hungers? Oh, is it the hunger of your heart to draw closer to me? To truly embrace me? How are you going to kiss the king tonight? How are you going to kiss him? Are you going to kiss him goodbye? Are you going to kiss him as though you've not seen him for a long time? Are you going to hold on to him for dear life? Are you going to embrace him and push him away back into the arms of the world and regress back to who you used to be? I'm asking tonight, how is it that you will kiss the king? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody needs the answer to the call. Oh, where are you coming from? What are you up to? Somebody needs to step out of a pew and make their way down an altar. Hallelujah. Kneel your E and me and cry out to him and say, God, I've come to embrace you tonight. I've come to fall in love with you again. I've come, hallelujah, to solidify that relationship with you. Where are you coming from? Oh, see him with his hand outstretched. See him with his voice raised towards you. See as he beckons for you. Oh, come on, ma'am. Answer the call tonight. Don't be indifferent. Respond to it tonight. We've all been Judas. We've all been there. We've all done those things. Don't believe the enemy. Don't believe that you're the only one. He's calling out to you. Oh, friend, where have you been? I don't care how long you've been backslidden. He's calling. He's calling. Friend. Jesus, you don't know where I've been. Oh, friend, come a little bit.